Escape from Plan A. Welcome, listeners, to Escape from Plan A. Uh, this is your host, Teen. I've been away for a while. Hello. Uh, and I've got Jess with me. Jess, how's it going? Uh, it's it's going okay. Could be going way better. But, you know, Happy New Year to all our Plan A <laughs> listeners. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. I think this is the yeah. first one of January. Happy 20... Happy New Decade. I, everyone talks about the New Year, and I'm like, it's a new decade. You know? Oh, Jeez. you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to think of time like that. This is... <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. we're only five um, days in, and if you haven't been living under a rock, it's been a pretty intense 2020 so far. It, 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 it's like you been can a, already like I can already make my like top ten list of the yeah. year. You know, it, it, it's like I wanted like a couple months to figure out and to and to guess where, what the direction of the next decade was going, but I guess we kind of know. <laughs> it's been I kind mean, of <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, um, big picture kind of looks like uh, all the other de- all the other decades in the U.S. Uh, that yeah. I've been alive uh, for. Obviously, we're talking about um, what's going on in Iran, and ju- the funny thing is, Jess and I like we had just recorded like about thirty minutes of an of of the pod that we wanted to do, <laughs> and we had some technical difficulties and lost the audio. But I feel actually happy about that fact because we talked a little bit too much. I oh I talk, I'm sorry. I talked a little bit too much about the events, and we've all seen the news, and I feel we don't need to talk about the events. You all know what happened with this guy well, Suleimani, with the shit. Everyone I have one knows, exhortation. Right? If uh, and yeah. this is this is a personal one because I have been there. Um, I was young when uh, when a nine eleven happened, and we went to war with Iraq. I I never really paid that much attention to the news, even during mm. that time. It was all kind of right. in the background. Um, mm-hmm. So to anyone out there who is listening and may not be tuned in or plugged into what's going on, I, I really highly suggest that change and that you just take a little time to read what's going mm-hmm. on in the news. This one is very much worth the energy and effort. I know if you're if if you're alive in the U.S., you probably we none of us have been alive in a time without some persistent low grade warfare going on in the Middle East. It's the background noise of our lives, basically. Um, I do really strongly feel like the events of the last week, it's a, it's something very different. And it's as an American, I think it's it behooves all of us to be informed on the facts of what's going on right now. Agreed, agreed. Um, and it's gonna be hard to avoid. I mean, I think it's, it's just it's just dominating the news for for good reason, which is that mm-hmm. we basically we it's pretty clear that what happened was a was has been interpreted by both sides by all sides by the whole world as an act of war uh, what that means i don't know but maybe you know i was i was out having dinner last night and i noticed that there was like a table of like three teenagers and teenagers around here they they usually just talk about their own lives they just talk about whatever the fuck is going on i i overhear them all the time and they were talking about this and they were talking about the big question which i guess everyone has been asking is is this going to start world war three uh jess is this going to start world war three <laughs> i mean i mean world war like between the time like World War II wasn't even a, uni- a unified declaration, right? It, it took the better part of a few years to really get global awareness that this was happening. 
Um, so, you know, and in, it's only in retrospect when it just seems so sharp and clear cut. But on the ground, it never is, right? World War Three. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you can also make a case that we've kind of been in World War Three for a while now, too. Right. Um, certainly the, the declare, you know, the, the persistent warfare that the U.S. has been engaged in, uh, in the Middle East since, I mean, fuck, the 70s, 60s, for since forever. Um, like, I mean, how do you, how do you interpret that, right? Um, at best, I think this is, this, um, but worst case scenario, this is a, a marked escalation in the conflict, uh, but it's I, I it's hard it's hard to say like okay this is World War Three go you know yeah I agree I think the question is are we in it already or or what do we mean by World War Three because whatever this is fucking right. sucks and it sucks because for me it's just been this constant barrage of I mean I'm like most people when it comes to what's going on in the Middle East I don't really follow it much I don't really know what's going on over there I don't know who the fuck Suleimani was until he was killed I I, I it's I don't I don't really pay attention to this stuff and it's 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 frustrating because it's like there is clearly something really big really important going going on over there no one really understands why we're over there why it's such a big deal but we know it matters and um there's nothing we can we both cannot understand it nor can we do anything about it and yet we're being exhorted by the media by everyone to make this a top priority and i feel part of me wants to kind of retreat and be like you know what i don't want to care i don't want to care about this because this is more of the same shit um and i know that tomorrow my life is going to be the same and i know the day after is going to be the same as well and what this is going to be, in my opinion, is just like, you know, uh, like a sometimes fast, sometimes slow fucking CNN newsathon, um, you know, in every airport and bar television around the world for the next never ending number of years. And no matter how bad it is, you still got to get on that plane to go fly wherever you're flying to, to go do whatever the fuck you need to do. Like, it's like, it, it's not it. It's just going to be more of the same shittiness as now, but more, just even more of it. And mm-hmm. that is what I'm taking out of this is my sort of like jaded American who's been just had it with the sheer amount of apocalyptic news. Um, I It's overload and I, I don't know how to respond. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I mean... I guess uh, the assassination, the Soleimani assassination, just caused, just triggered some uh, back, some thinking, a retrospective, right? Uh, back to 2003, when Bush too declared war in Iraq. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, because I feel like I lived that, you know? Um, like, there was a, there was a time when you could just split that, you know, you know that there's a war going on. You know, princip- if if you were to ask me, I'd say, no, I'm opposed to the war in Iraq. I don't feel this is necessary and this is not in line with my principles. But at the same time, I could just live a normal life, right? I could go to school. I could just be focused on getting a job, getting ahead, whatever that meant, um, usually money. Uh, and you could ignore that. And it was so, the changes were so incremental, it was hard to see at the time. But now here we are sitting in 2020, and I look back on the last, uh, you know, 16, 17 years since, uh, since just that 
that one turning point in my life. And it's measurable just how worse things have gotten. Uh, and that's I, true. That segmentation between, you know, normal life, quote, unquote, here in the United States, uh, and, you know, that bullshit over there, um, they're not as segmented as it, as we want to think. The same machinery that brought us that constant, never-ending chaos also chipped away slowly and steadily at what we have going on here. So I think it's a, I, I mean, it's a, it's an appeal to selfishness, right? Um, to say, like, no, it's in your direct interest uh, to care about this shit. But the fact is, you know, this is all interconnected. There is no level of this uh, system that exempts you from the effects, right? And I think this is why there's so much, uh, like, you ask anybody, and everyone's kind of, like, half hoping for the zombie apocalypse, like, right now, you know? I think there it, it is It reminds a, me of that Radiohead lyric, you know, wait, like, just waiting for something to happen. Right. But I mean, everyone everyone talks like this. Everyone's kind of everyone kind of has this like doomsday scenario in their head, and you know, most people are a little bit you know excited for it, right? It's it's like it's like fun to think about this doomsday scenario. Um, Do you think there's think anything it's... positive to that? Because I, I I feel like the immediate reaction for me is is that that's a very nihilistic kind of way to think, but. It, does that does that maybe suggest that like we want to experience reality more? Like we want. I think so. Like I, mean, I, I think there's just really. See, I noticed it was super jarring. You know, I I really dug into the assassination, read up on you know uh, what's what's going on there. Of course, you know accounts are conflicted, and so it's important to just get a wide sampling. And plus, you know, we don't have all the facts, whatever facts mean in this case, either. Um, but it's super jarring then to just. Uh, than to step away from the computer and you know get a like a text message from his friends saying they're going to Disneyland or um, <laughs> that's my friends yeah you know or you know uh, worrying about you know like oh and I remember being so annoyed because a restaurant I wanted to to go get dinner at was closed right and I'm like it, so it, it's the jar it's it was so it was such a surreal moment to uh, care so deeply about the minutia of my own personal life while looking at this absolute global catastrophe happening. Yeah, it, it is jarring, but it, it's it's also not. I mean, it, it it you know the killing of like you know an Iranian general halfway across the world is not something that I know exactly how to read. Not necessarily like it, it's almost not a matter of whether I recognize that that is an important event because the media is telling me that it is and in this case i believe them um it's just like how how does that how does the killing of this spy master from uh, in in iran in any way relevant to what i have to do right now <laughs> right like it, it's this weird it's the fact that like the stuff that's going on that's so momentous so important so you know uh, world defining it's connected to us, like you said, but through a very sort of like slushy transmission line where mm -hmm. there's can be these very shocking, traumatic, brutal events going on. And we don't really, although we know what happened, it's like it doesn't transmit clearly over here. By the yeah. time it gets here, it's a soggy mess. And like you said, it takes time for us to realize how far we've fallen, um, let's say from... I would mark the height of, like, you know, America somewhere in the mid-90s. And mm -hmm. as someone who's been um, 
you know, born in 78, there, it, it, there definitely has been a steady decline, but it's really hard to perceive it in any one particular moment. It takes a lot of time and then some effort to look back and say, oh, yeah, things have, things have fallen. But I have not noticed it ha- happen um, except through a sort of like gradual sort of decline. And that includes the decline in um, the economic situation, which is everywhere you look, it's terrible. Um, even though the numbers say they're good, they're experientially, for me, clearly every, you know. Yeah, every metric of human life, um, yeah, it's not it's not good. And the worst thing is not whether you know, and I don't think it'll ever, at least for us or the generation after us, and and for quite a while after that, is ever going to be a situation of like basic needs. Mm-hmm. Like I think we're going to be a wealthy country for a long time. I think you know all that stuff. Like I'm not really worried. You may you may feel different, but um, it's not that. I I think that the thing that really shocks me is the decline in the mood of people, and the decline in the sort of I don't even know what to call it. But there's something in the air. There's something about how people don't have any trust in any institutions. Like everyone is either naively and almost grotesquely motivated to do good, or in just some idealistic way that doesn't make any sense or they're completely self-absorbed and um, just don't give a shit about the world outside of their immediate um, experience. And there just doesn't seem to be an easy middle ground to, 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 to care both about your life and to care about something bigger than yourself. Does that make It sense? does. And that to me points to a massive fracturing of social incentives. Um, you know, if you want to take a systems look at, at uh, what's going on, there was there are moments when everyone's interests are aligned in the same way. So everyone can be pursuing their own self-interest, but given systemic pressures and incentivization, um, it roughly correlates to a greater good in some dimension. That, I feel, has gone completely haywire. It's hard to envision an, a world right now where if I'm working for my benefit, that comes at any greater good at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and vice it's, versa. It's, if, it's, if a system is going great, I expect to see no benefit from it. Right, right. It always comes at some zero-sum. There's always some zero-sum gameplay going on here. Meaning, it's like us against everyone else. It's, it's us against every. It's us against each other. Against, uh, I mean, people are antagonistic against against their employers. Employers are antagonistic against their workers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies are antagonistic to each other. Uh, there's tension be- at all levels of human interaction. Uh, there's there's tension in a way that optimizes for just really, just really venal base level self preservation. I want to bring this back, um, this depressing-ass talk, uh, back to the <laughs> Suleimani um, assassination. And um, I want to bring this up. It's a tweet that Trump uh, made, I think yesterday, um, explaining his actions. And I think that the reason I want to bring this up now is because as we talk about this concept of starting to you know, not feel... 
like just feel like we're just out there for ourselves. It's a society like that, and I and I will say one hundred percent that I have felt that change in my life. That we have gone from a society that really held on to a belief of some sort of a collective good into one where a kind of social nihilism and fatalism rules the day, that that is a real change that has happened. Um, and that despite all that, I feel for me personally, I've always clung to this idea that we will eventually rediscover um, or rehabilitate the, uh, the notion of the collective good. And then I saw this tweet and I realized, I think maybe we have crossed the Rubicon and there is either no going back or we were never, we, we never really had a legitimate sense of collective good in the first place, both of which mm. are horrible um, conclusions to take, but I don't know how else to take this. So Trump tweeted yesterday about why he decided to attack Iran. He gave no evidence other than to say that this guy was really bad. He killed a lot of Americans. He badly wounded many others. I mean, look, the guy was a he was a warrior. He was a military commander. He's responsible for a lot of uh, war shit. Okay. Um, but here's the part. He said, let this serve as a warning that if Iran strikes any Americans or American assets, we have targeted 52 Iranian sites representing the 52 American hostages taken by Iran many years ago, some at a very high level and important to Iran and the Iranian culture. And those targets and Iran itself will be hit very fast and very hard. The USA wants no more threats. And I realized that this was a... I mean, Trump tweeted this and his genocide popped out. This is genocidal. It's about targeting culture. And I want to just contrast that to something that happened um, that we're all familiar with in 1945, which is when America dropped two nuclear bombs on Japan. Uh, I'll link an article in the show notes. Um, maybe I should just read it. Um, yeah, read it. But in early June 1945, Secretary of War Henry Stimson ordered Kyoto. Everyone knows Kyoto. Uh, former, it's, a, it's one of the cultural capitals and former capital of Japan to be removed from the target list. He argued that it was of cultural importance and that it was not a military target. Quote, The military didn't want it removed, so it kept putting Kyoto back on the list until late July. But Stimson went directly to President Truman, says Professor Wellerstein, I guess the guy they were talking to, in the article. After holding a discussion with the president, Mr. Simpson wrote in his diary on the 24th of July, 1945, that, quote, he was particularly emphatic in agreeing with my suggestion that if elimination was not done, I think that means elimination of Kyoto as a target, the bitterness which could be caused by such a wanton act might make it impossible during the long post-war period to reconcile the Japanese to us in that area other than in, in that area other than to the Russians. And I think well, that's the end of the thing. And I think having just compared, I mean, I I, I don't. I'm not uh, an apologist for at all for, for the U.S. having dropped those bombs. I don't believe that that was necessary. I don't believe it saved lives. I think Japan... I, I think that we were trying... I think the real story is that we were trying to show to the world that our nuclear bombs worked and uh, as we stated they would. Well, I mean, um, it, was, it was the first salvo of the Cold War. 
not the last of the of World War Two. It's the first salvo. It's a proof of concept of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. This can really happen, guys. Right? And yeah. we're going to show you. Even in the most cynical act back then in 1945, there was some recognition that you can destroy lives, but there are there is something to culture that still needs to be respected. There's something about culture which I think is transcendent to individual life. I think that's the that's the thing here, and maybe that's what ties back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of this decline of the, the, the sense of collective good into a no-holds-barred individualistic striving society, I would call survival society, that the fact that back then in 1945 we understood things like the like cultural importance is something that our secretary of war was able to understand and to grasp compared to today when the president of the United States says something like we are going to target important you know targets that are important to Iranian culture not not simply not caring about culture but knowing that that's what you're, we're going after now not not you know disregarding cultural importance and saying well we're going to bomb kyoto but to say no we are going to bomb kyoto because it's culturally important to you right is where we're at now and i think that that really does for me kind of close the door on any hope that we live in a time where we actually believe in something larger than ourselves such as cultural importance you know yeah that's that was the wake up call to me. There's no coming back from that. There, I mean, one of the reasons that I could kind of rationalize tuning out, right in uh, in the W years, um, is the thought that okay, we all heard about the abuses at Abu Ghraib, um, wartime abuses. Um, there was still a sense that there were that there were lines that I could count on the U.S. to not cross. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there uh, was like, some. Yeah, like we talked about, do. like um, like Soleimani is a target that had been known to W and Obama, and both had declined to go after him. And one of the reasons, and and uh, when we talk, and other figures, uh, Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein. Um, there were many times in the last uh, couple of decades when the U.S. knew exactly where they were and did not target because they were hiding in important cultural monuments in places of right. enormous cultural value. So even knowing mm-hmm. exactly where they were, uh, the U.S. declined to aggress uh, to that extent. And they, uh, they were more willing to allow these two targets to escape than to escalate conflict by going after these monuments that would inevitably incur huge backlash. Yeah. And rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, once you start targeting there is no there is no there is no there is no possibility of um, there is no possibility of a game that can be played after this conflict. There's no post game possible here. Uh, like as atrocious as dropping the bombs were in Japan, um, it's right there in the brief. There is no hope of any possible reconciliation or alliance if we go after these, these, uh, th- these like Kyoto. If you take mm-hmm. down Kyoto, there will be no chance of reconciliation afterwards. Right. So this mm-hmm. is scorched earth. This is this is 
total annihilation. This is annihilation. The only possible play here is to completely reduce this area to glass. Right? That's the only play. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the play that Trump was willing to just put out there on fucking Twitter. I, there is no coming back. Yeah, and, you know, it's, um, you know, I think about what Americans, the typical American, the hypothetical American would say to this. Because I, I care about that hypothetical American, because that, that represents what I think of our country, our, you know, our people, our culture. And if I was to say, like, do you understand how bad that is to say, like, we're going to target someone's culture? I feel like a smart American would say something like, but that's what they do to us. That's what 9-11 was. That was targeting our culture, our culture of free market, of, of um, entrepreneurship, of big business. They, they wanted to send a message to our culture. And leaving aside the fact that Iran and 9-11, there's no connection. Um, though actually they've been trying to Pompeo's or Pence has been out there trying to make the connection between Suleiman and 9-11. It's fucking oh, God. insane. I mean, um, yeah, that campaign's going to start. Yeah. 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 But look, I mean, Americans are going to buy it because they're all brown and come from the same region, right? Okay, yeah. so... Um, but but leaving that little matter aside, um, I think that if that's the case, if, 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 our, if our feeling is like, look, we're going to destroy your culture because you wanted to destroy ours... Um, while an eye for an eye is some view that as a valid um, ethical system, I think that it does totally destroy the notion of American exceptionalism. We're no better than. I mean, we're willing, like the bar that we set for ourselves is set by others, is the, is the fundamental problem with that a concept. The, it, it, it's, it's a problem for me because it then just totally removes any idea of American exceptionalism that somehow our civilization, our way of life is somehow better than that around the world. And I really do think, for me anyway, growing up when I did, that that was a fundamental uh, part of being American. Was yeah, a, a certain here. confidence. Yeah, there was a certain confidence that despite our crassness, despite, you know, whatever, um, despite our greed or whatever, there was something fundamentally... Uh, admirable about us there was something fundamentally secular and modern and good about us and i don't think that that exists anymore and it's not just because trump tweeted it but i think it is also the way in which i believe that americans would react to that tweet which is to say well we suffered it too didn't we and that's the kind of people we are yeah i agree um and that's very that's very demoralizing for me in terms of being a believer in america I have seen I, I, it too. I, I've seen that play out too. There is a there is a strain that considers the um, immor- immorality, evidence of immorality, to be aberrations. Like this isn't America. This is not how Americans do it, right? Or these people aren't true Americans. Um, at some point, it's not a, it, the aberrations aren't exceptions to the rule, right? The, mm-hmm. They are the rule. Uh, and, I mean, it probably was always a fiction, right? American exceptionalism was always a fiction. But there's just no way... There's no redemption in it, 
I don't see I don't see a way to to turn the ship around. And moreover, I'm not sure it's worth the eff effort to do so. I don't know what what to be holding on to at this point. So your question is basically like, do we do you feel like, you know, given, you know, just just given the sheer. I don't know what to call it, like just 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 the sheer nihilism of our government and our society at this point. Is it even worth as an individual committing to trying to turn that around? Right. Is that kind of. The, the, that is I, you know I don't I yeah. mean the the part that wants to think of myself as you know an engaged citizen a good person wants to say yes but I mean if I actually look at how I live the answer to that is no I'm pretty disengaged I I, well, I, I certainly am too um, I, I think most people are, are disengaged I mean and, and in a way like I feel here's the thing we could we could definitely say things like, "Look, there's there's no there's always something you can do, right?" And I think that's true. There's always something you can do. And there is. We can talk. We can talk more about that. I I certainly don't want to close off mm -hmm. uh, without without some something some glimmer of a silver lining. Yeah. Uh, so this isn't to say like I've closed myself off. Uh, I think some people take it very politically by saying like they are actually opposed to the United mm -hmm. States. They will not be working to advance its interests at all. Um, and are looking to extricate themselves, you know, physically from participating in American society. Uh, I'm certainly not there. Uh, obviously, I'm not donating to the Trump campaign. I'm not cheering on the war machine. Uh, it's just hard to, it, there's just that enormous gray area in between. Um, like I work in tech, it's inevitable that I my, my labor is feeding into an industry that is hugely corrupt, hugely dysfunctional. Uh, massively uh, and a, a massive problem in the world right now. Um, so when I say disengage, it's more of a it's a it's a psychological disengagement. I and I think that's part of the discomfort because um, in my actual life I do have to participate. Right? There's that phrase going around: everyone is complicit, and this is absolutely true of me too, and for, of everybody. There is no, even if you don't want to, there is actually no way to remove yourself completely. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why, you know, everyone seems to have a budding zombie apocalypse fantasy in the back of their minds. Right. This ab this absolutely society disrupting event that completely breaks uh it breaks everyone's ties to each other and to some greater notion of society. And I, I think the optic of mental anguish, um I mean people call it mental illness or whatever, as if you're you're catching some disease, but I think it's it's also just a measure of just general anguish is is really high. And I think it's definitely tied to these problems right is the inability to connect with something um of any greater meaning than just bare survival right or or mm -hmm. or or pursuit of just you know just kind of dumb pleasures and um right or the things that we are connected to that are bigger than ourselves we already know to be bad right. things right well okay so then let me let me offer a way out here right um is Maybe one of the themes, like since, ever since I went online, like one of the things that I noticed, because the thing that really drew me online was the degree to which I think like Asian American discourse was filled with just a sense of a stuckness. There was a sense that nothing could be done, that there was just some sort of eternal stuckness in the position. And it wasn't necessarily the worst position in the world, but it was disappointing. It was like, you know, things will never change. And... I, I, I did f f always feel 
little different from that. Like I just never felt I never felt or caved into that belief because um I I do f- feel that like I had this uh feeling that political identity was really strong uh part component to this that you needed to be part of some larger idea rather than just your own personal situation that your situation was dependent on some political idea that with political being like you know something shared this is not necessarily the right definition but something shared with like a larger movement a larger group and i think now more than ever that's so clear that and i think we kind of already know this and we being like plan a is like i think we have an instinctual move towards subversive politics and by subversive i do include stuff like you know that the podcasts that we did um on um tech worker organization with uh with jimmy and rohit which i thought were was great this idea that we as asian americans embedded into the technology sector that there needed to be sort of radical resistance to what that tech sector was doing um, in terms of mistreating its workers and degrading the environment and contributing to its its resources to building a security state in America, and um, also the the sex worker organization pod um, with um, Red Canary Song that we needed to fundamentally challenge some of the notions that we hold in um, in our society about the marginalized and the people that we hold outside of our moral um you know outside of the zone of our sort of like moral regard that be, be doing something these days in my opinion is not necessarily going to be a positive act it, you're not necessarily going to be contributing to something building something you may actually need to participate in something that is in a sense tearing down old structures i don't want to say destructive but it is it, it resist. It, it's resistance. It's 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 subversive. Progressive. Pro- it's progressive. I think it's even. No, I I think it's I think it's I think it's more. I think progressive is to say that we can move forward from this point. And I would say. Th- no, I think. I think progressive in an evolutionary sense. Mm-hmm. Being able to identify a problem, and then pushing towards, pushing towards some semblance of. Uh, if not a solution, mm-hmm. then at least being able to recognize and pulling away, mm-hmm. doing what you can to pull away from the problem. But also, I think we, there needs to be a healthy amount of creative descri- destruction, you know, because I, yes, you know, I, I don't, I haven't lost my faith in like the goodness of American people, um, at least not in my immediate surroundings. I'm not talking about the kind of American people you're going to read about in the press, in the media, but like just in my actual daily life, you know, um, uh, and in my neighborhood, in the city and everything, it's kind of like there there is a lot of good in the society. Like, I love America, especially the uh, non-white part of it. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just the most... Because you know, if you think American, you still think of some, like, you know, husky white guy, you know? And that's not the America that I give a shit about. Honestly, I'm sorry. I just don't. It's mm-hmm. I, I don't know how people are going to take that, but I, it's the non-white part of America that, uh, that fascinates me. And I'm sure as an Angelino, you probably... Um, kind of understand what i'm saying i do very deeply and i agree with what you're saying and that's the part i I think for me and i feel like if america can be saved Mm -hmm. it's from recognizing 
recognizing contributions that previously have not been uh, regarded. Yeah. Like seriously, if there is a if there is to be any kind of turning of the ship, that's where it has to come from. I think it comes from us, I, not not people, you know, recognizing us, but just us taking our fucking equity and yes. just take just taking it. Cuz it's humongous. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I I think th- I don't think it came across very well, but I mean, part of the, one of the things that I've always wanted to do on this podcast is uh kind of contextualize to just other Asian Americans um, what what their stake in the country is, how big that stake is, right? Uh, there's always a sense that it's very, very small. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like the p- utterly powerless, utterly atomized, individualized, alone in a very real sense. But collectively, and all, and really all I have to think about is, you know, if, like the worst case scenario that people lazily dangle is you know, is internment around the corner for non-whites. Uh, you know yeah. what? I, people talk about yeah, that, right? Yeah. Like, what if they rounded us up into a camp? Like, okay, let's entertain that for a second. Let's entertain the thought of the Asian American internment camp. And let's look at exactly how much of intellectual capital, like human capital, has been locked away. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's all out there in the U.S. right now circulating. I think collectively there's a lot of there's a lot of power to be had in that uh, in that recognition. Mm. Mm-hmm. An individual. I mean, this is collective action. Most it's not really relevant to just an individual person, but it is the sense that there are you know you're not necessarily locked. You're not trapped. There is always going to be some range of power you are going to be able to wield in your immediate surroundings. And I think incrementally this this adds up to something this can add up to something uh better yeah but i i yeah I agree, but I think that the problem of this like potential idea is that um it it, it it's it still feels really difficult for me to feel like that's a tangible goal that I can work towards. It is true, but it does there's nothing that I can immediately act upon mm. um in my mind to do that without there being a lot of organizational structure around it. So... I, I mean, really? Because I see this as largely an um, individual action. I do too. I, I, I think I'm gonna, that's where I'm going with this, is that the, the thing for me right now is like, I, I just don't think... I think Americans are obsessed with action. I think we don't... We, we, we only think that if I can have a tangible you know, action item that I can go and do tomorrow that unless it's that, then it's meaningless. And I I really disagree with that. I think now really is people do need to take the time to think and that, okay. You know what I mean? I no, I agree. I agree with you. It's a step zero. Yeah. Step zero. And it's, yeah. And that, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah, and I think that with Asian Americans, I do. I've always felt we were top heavy in in, in the sense of like we think too much, um, or or not think too much, but we like we worry too much, and we're always worried about saying the right thing, thinking the right thing, trying to fit in. It, you know, I've always thought of it as the guest mentality that we're guests in this country, and mm-hmm. while I re- you know kind of rail against that, I also understand it. I un- I, as- I understand that you know we are most of us anyway, many of us are new to this country 
and um, it takes some time to, you know, feel and build up equity. But I think now, when I really reflect on it, there is there was a sense of the the guest mentality is this is someone else's house and I need to learn the rules. And as much as we mm-hmm. say we don't believe in that, as much as we say we're gonna, you know, us no we act we like act it. like it. We act like it. You know we do. And you know you know you mm-hmm. do, right? Not me, you the listener, right? You the listener. You you know that that's what's going on. It's like we are psyching ourselves up to not do it anymore, but we are doing it. And I think that Jess, you had mentioned you had asked me if there was any kind of liberating feel to what is going on around us right now and with this Iranian situation. And I would say yes. I think when I saw that tweet about how we want to destroy Iranian culture with missiles, that part of me said, you know what, fuck you, that why should I, if that is your rule, that you're going to go destroy someone else's culture, why the fuck should I respect the culture around me as somehow something I have to respect? And I can't, you know, actively, to the extent that I don't like it, I can say whatever the fuck I want about it. To the, to the extent that I like yeah, it, I'll tell that. you I like it. But I don't feel any yeah, fucking moral that. obligation to to respect the cultural Defer. norms of this fucking country after I saw that. No more. Yeah. It's, I'm done. Like, there's just... I And I've always wanted to feel like that, and I feel like Asian Americans have often said we want to feel like that, and I feel like this is the point at which you can, if you want to see it that way, read that fucking tweet, um, that's it. There's there's really no nothing more defensible about this internalized notion that we have to be respectful guests. Fuck this place. This place is trash. It's got to be cleaned up. The, Amen to that. The more we behave like what yeah. we want to believe, the more we're going to clean it up. This place sucks. Yeah, we're guests. We walked in. This place looks like shit. It needs a fucking makeover. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's how I feel now. I mean, I don't need to respect your house. This this house was already trashed before I walked yeah. in. Apparently, or they let it go um, to trash. No, yeah. that's 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 the liberation, uh, the the psychological liberation I'm talking about. I mean, a lot of Asian American politics is pretty narrow status mongering, right? Trying to trying to keep one eye on what the whites do. Um, and what they want from us and carefully negotiating how much of that to to surrender who gives a shit anymore yeah the rules suck they have no standing to enforce any of that why what does it matter anymore mm-hmm. if it reduces uh politicking to like dinner dinner party uh social status uh bullshit games wh- who gives a shit mm-hmm. Is this a table you respect with people that you actually... Like, who are these people that we've handed over the collective right to arbitrate uh, our our morality, our behavior? Yeah. I, I don't recognize that authority at all. I can't... I think there's two possible ways of existing now that I can respect. I, I actually can respect the person who's just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just all about me now. I only care about myself. I can actually kind of respect that because that's not actually that easy a thing to do. I think that's a mentally very challenging thing to do because it's very lonely and it's um, uh, it's not as easy and wonderful as it sounds. 
I think there's a fantasy aspect for a lot of people that out there that are like weighed down with a lot of responsibilities that have to like are are responsible for a lot of people that just being you know totally self interested, totally just for you, just for. I think it's sounds great, but I think it's tough. But so I I, I do respect that mentality to some extent, and I also respect the mentality now of saying that I'm going to now start giving the finger to a lot of shit that I don't like and I've been holding in. I can no longer respect the people who believe that there is something salvageable and noble about sucking up to whiteness is the only way I can put it. Mm-hmm. There's I, I cannot yeah. respect that anymore. If you are the type that does it to say, look, I got to do this because this is how I eat and this is how I survive... If you at least have that sliver of consciousness, I'm like more or less okay with that. But if it if right. it's that true belief that there's like you know, I don't know how prevalent it is out there, and I I, I presume it's a lot less prevalent than it used to be. I I cannot I I personally can't imagine myself actually feeling that way anymore. It's not like an option anymore. I can't get myself into. Well, that it can room. be defined in negatives. Right, so it's not even so much about wanting the affirmation or validation or the good things. It should sting far less when that approbation is not given to you. It, do you know what I'm saying? Because I think it it really hurts. It traumatizes a lot of people when that social validation is not given to them for X, Y, or Z. Right. I think at the very least, what shit like this should be saying is it should it. It should sting far less now, because this is not a this is not a good system that's uh, re- withholding validation from you, yeah. and it's not it's not a sign of your own ascension or success if if you contort yourself into behaving in such a way that you do get that validation. It isn't the win you think it is to have made it in the world, so to speak. And it's not uh, it's not a sign of your own pathology that it's withheld from you, if it's withheld from you. Yeah, and I cannot help but view Asian Americans who do that. Um, and this is the part of the, the, the pure self-interest type Asians that I disagree, that the, the, the negative to them is that no matter what your beliefs, no matter what you think, I do think that we as Asian Americans are constantly used as cover. Um, oh, God. You know, yeah. I think it, we, our faces are used to validate and to confirm the goodness of, you know, all of America and all of its white institutions and all of its institutions of power, which we've been allowed to enter. Um, frankly, uh, not all the way to the top, but all over the middle ranks. I mean, fairly, fairly there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, one of the key accomplishments. I mean, we're doing pretty fucking well. Let's. I mean, in that, in the, in terms of the elite game, are we not? I mean, let's just fucking face uh, we, it. We we really are. Within two generations, it's pretty. And you know, a Chinese guy was one of the co-founders of JPL. Yeah, they got they got men to the moon. Mm-hmm. A Korean guy uh, wrote the legal memo that uh, unleashed unleashed an extra layer of hell in Iraq. The torture memo. Uh, we got up there. Um, and I think it is... Uh, it, 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 I hate to bring a discussion of privilege into this, but I think it's, uh, it's, there is a moral responsibility 
to be thinking very carefully in terms of what we actually are seeking. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think we need to be careful now about things like, let's take media rep, like after the Asian American media rep movement really got its start alongside Me Too, which is kind of fucking interesting, isn't it? Like we wanted to go into Mm -hmm. a house that was burning. On fire. And this is when we wanted to rush in. And that's called cover. That like Hollywood everyone knows this. Like Hollywood's woke game now is to is to cover up its fundamental absolute child raping corruption. You know, it, it it's what it mm-hmm. is. It's what it fucking is. And And implicate more people in the process yeah. that will use as cover and will be the first to catch the heat when it backfires. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I really think the average Asian American, I really wish that we will start thinking about the things that we support um not only because we don't want to be used not only because it's wrong to want to support an industry like hollywood and 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 you know join in the bounties of something so corrupt but also because i think more and more that's going to be the direction for this new decade i think more and more the 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 will of the people so to speak is going to be moving against these institutions and Asian Americans are going to be counted on to be a, a bulwark against that. And I think that is going yeah. to cost us personally in terms of our well-being. I think it's going to be a very lonely, cynical, and, and, and also excruciating position to be in. Especially if we stake our entire lives around that. And it is going to be in this new, I think, more... Um, more democratic and more um, representative type of political identity where we will find, I think, a lot more personal fulfillment, frankly. Yeah. And long-term fulfillment. Yeah. There is a short and a long game here. Yeah. I I think we have to really think carefully about what we do um, for a living and, you know, how, what, what kind of, political goals and social goals and things that we care about. And if I think that, you know, one of the, one of the things that we have to ask is like, what institutions of power are we propping up when we do that? You know, like I, like I, I really think that like I would be down for Asian Americans to just be like, I'm not going to go watch any fucking Shang-Chi movie. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, that was a, for, for me personally, that was, that was an eye opening moment. Uh, yeah. Um, just reading Twitter, a really great thread. I'll try to, I'll, I'll dig it up and put it in the show notes. Um, that basically deconstructs, uh, uh you know, the Marvel, Mar- the Avengers as U.S. war propaganda, um, which I've been saying for a while too. It's pretty, it's pretty plain as day if you're looking, for, if you're looking at it the right way. Deconstructed the Avengers starting from, you know, back in 2008 with Iron Man all the way up to, you know, the final. Uh, what, what was it? The one that was re- the end game mm-hmm. that was the one released this year, and kind of deconstruct. I mean, these movies were vetted and partially funded by you know by the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I read that, and it's uh, it was a uh, it, it confirmed a lot of things that I'd been thinking about about the Avengers and Marvel and the entire and Disney and the propaganda machine. And then I happened to see an announcement. Disney announced that uh, Shang-Chi will be at least 90-something percent Asian. 
I mean, it's... The cast will be... <sighs> and this was widely held up as like, oh my god, we fucking made yeah. it. Uh, and it's like... Let's not be nope, so easy. The house let's not be fucking so fucking fire. easy and cheap, you know? Yes. This is too high a... Pr- to me, this is too high a price to pay yeah. for inclu- for to be allowed admittance into a burning fucking building. Yeah. By the way, I, 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 <laughs> I heard a piece of gossip that... Uh, that uh, that uh, Simu Liu has really let this whole thing go-, go to his head, and there was like some like gala of like Hollywood Asians, and he just spent the entire time um, throwing weird amounts of personal shade at Constance Wu to the point where it got really weird. <laughs> what I'm saying is that uh, our Hollywood Asians are not like the, the 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 smartest or best people, and I I everyone that I know that is remotely attached to that says that it fucking blows and the people fucking blow um i don't give a fuck about I, asian Hollywood. i fully believe that they can all go fuck themselves i fully believe i don't that. give a fuck about any of them i actually don't like that uh bong jun ho is uh is being so widely celebrated in hollywood right now yeah. like he is in la he's in la right now getting wined and dined by hollywood's best and brightest uh and it's like mm, i hope he comes out of this hole yeah yeah uh, no, it's it's corrupt. Uh, d- d- it's Disney, bad. And this Disney, is... by the way, has been like active in the in the um, in the propaganda game. Uh, you you saw that thing that I sent you. There, I mean the 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 the, the propaganda um, that Disney was uh, tasked to make um, and sell into South America <laughs> is pretty well documented. I mean, it's not a secret. It's it's, yeah. it's known. It's not it's not a conspiracy theory. It's fact. Um, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, so twenty twenty. Going forward, next ten years, I really hope Asian Americans. Um, I don't want to say wake the fuck up. I think we are. I think we are awake. I think we need to act on what we know, and the degree to which we're experiencing a lot of um, mental anguish over shit, like you know, um, whatever it is that people feel anguish over, like not feeling like they have purpose or you know whatever, like being being feeling like they're isolated or whatever. You know, I I think part of it is well, because you believe too much. <laughs> you know, I really do. I don't I don't people, like to take the soft mm, mental health aspect too of narrow. this. Yeah, I, it's just too narrow a vision of what success or having made it is. I, I, we set our price way too low. Is my thing. I think we set our price low because I think we believe. I think we do believe that that in that direction, in the direction of traditional notions of white success that that no matter what is the right way to go and it's so fucking hard to shake that belief but i think see it's not that we had to see through it we've had it utterly exposed for us there's no more excuse anymore it's been totally exposed it's been totally exposed as to what motivates these those institutions and and also what it does to people and i think we've known that I think I, I don't. I think we've known that for a while. It's just so hard to accept it. And I think 2020 is the year where the more we see just really apocalyptic news about how much the country's in a kind of downward spiral, which it is. It just frankly is. There's no doubt about it. Is. It is um, that you don't have to see past traditional notions of success. You don't have to be a woke Asian. You just got to open your eyes to what's going on. It's being destroyed for you is my is kind of how i see it um right so i think there's a lot of short-term gain to be had 
if you play that game. And that's that's the seductive part. And this is what I would hope that more people at large, including Asian Americans, contemplate more seriously. What are you willing to give up in for a chance at some knockoff version of success right now? Yeah. Like if uh, if Simu Liu getting cast in Marvel uh, shuts us down in other ways, which it will. I I have no I have no hope for this being being a major win for Asian Americans. Um, this is, I hope more people recognize it as it, this was, this was not, this was not the right, uh, issue to throw your weight behind. I mean, I don't know. Do you think people are really it's throwing just, a lot of weight recently. behind it though? Do you just suddenly not give a shit? But, but, but let me ask you. Do, about these major tent poles. Do, but do you think people are actually put, put throwing their weight behind it? I don't see anyone giving a shit about it. Uh, you know, like I, I, I think that it's all marketing hype and no one actually cares. I, I, I don't know anyone that really cares about it. Um. I think it's these it's these Asian American org the org class. Oh yeah. Right. Uh and I'm not talking about, you know, the kind of millennial friendly uh social um social media heavy uh Asian American organization. I'm talking about the more established ones, the ones established by people who were probably now in their fifties and sixties who were active who were, you know, most active maybe ten, twenty years ago. Um I they're so out of date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not really, and they're very invested in that traditional vision of you know the forward march for Asian Americans, which is inclusion. Uh, and that thing that 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 word has penetrated so deeply into um, uh, POC liberal spaces is uh, a sign of corruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that our tent pole is inclusion, in, and inclusion to what into white spaces yeah like that's that's the benchmark right nothing nothing deeper than that is uh is explored it's simply we just need to be at that table there's no discussion of the table it's just the problems that we're not there plus this, this country sinking faster than asians are going to be able to climb up that rope is my opinion and I, and uh you know you as, climb as fast as you want but i mean just look i mean just look at what's going around around us i mean like in in the how do i put this the entire country is marching backwards so mm-hmm. uh, you know like what is the point of of trying to pursue traditional yeah. avenues of success and i don't just mean your job i'm not saying like people should like you know quit their job and don't you get i'm saying like the things that we support the things that we prioritize that's what i'm saying i don't think this is about action i think it's about thinking and uh, you know, I don't think anyone needs to change what they're doing. You know, like you do what you need to do, but I think people need to start really thinking more and not so be obsessed with what we need to do. And that means rethinking the priorities and and what does it mean to pursue uh, personal advancement in a society that's declining? It, it's just a really strange thing. And I, I I think if you still have any questions about whether society's declining. The thing is, you need to do some thinking. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's the problem is we still have not really fought our way into what's going on around us because we are so busy with our lives. And I don't blame people for that, but I just think people are busy. And I, it wasn't until I just wasn't that busy that I was, like, able to take all of that in. And uh, um, anyway, that that that's that's what I think people need to do is – not anything but to think. 
it's a good way to close it. I mean, personally, for me, I think I found more uh, activation in looking at local level, com- community level uh, engagement. Mm. Mm-hmm. I we're talking about system wide decline, and I overall I do think it's it's spiraling the drain. It's a slow spiral, but we're on it. Would would you um, would you say that if you do go out there and engage in civic organizations and and things like that, that there was a there actually you'll see, and I suspect that you'll see because the extent to which I've done it, I've I've confirmed it, that this understanding that we are in a downward spiral is widely shared. It's not. Mm-hmm. It isn't until you get out there that you realize how widespread this belief is. It's shocking. Right. Um, if you just hold up, I mean, the numbers yeah. show we're, we're we're consumer country trapped in debt. Yeah. Just looking at debt numbers alone shows just how widespread this problem is. Yeah. If you if you depending on how you look at it, the middle class is all but gone. Mm-hmm. Um. So there is there is no it there shouldn't be such a feeling of isolation. It's not an isolated problem. It's a problem of articulation. Yeah. Uh, and I do think there has been, you know, in the last 10 years, there has been a lot of, there's has been a lot of pressure. I don't think it's intentional, but this is just a unhappy confluence of events that have isolated all of us as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we literally just are not as engaged outside our homes as we used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's certainly something that I think can 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 change with a little bit of uh, understanding of the problem. Yeah. So I found a lot of fulfillment in uh, just looking at just, you know, donating to local politicians who, and a lot of them that I talk to, um, and I like that this is the level of politics at which I can actually talk to, to, to these people. Um, a lot of them get activated by that sense of the same drivers that we're talking about right now. These are just the people who decide to go a step further and put themselves out there in that arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, if you think it's a good idea, maybe we'll put some links to some people, who, some local politicians or figures in place in uh, in various places that that we feel are doing good work. I, Ron Kim, uh, your your man, Ron. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. he's a great example of exactly this. Uh, Judy yeah. Chu here in in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, and it's a uh, it's. Like the work that these people are able to do brings tangible benefits right to this community. Yeah, and you know what? The, you know what it is about the these this class of um or this this I, I mean class in terms of cl- like you know this this uh, group, um this crop of Asian American um, politicians is that they're not afraid to be anti-establishment. You know, like they're not afraid. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even going to limit it to Asian Americans. I've met uh, African American oh, well, uh, yeah. local figures. Yeah. Hispanic, like in LA, I mean, this is, it's, it's actually been pretty um, amazing to see. I mean, if you look at the papers, we're all in decline. But if you look at the local level, uh, just right the, the small, small local level, there is, there has been an enormous upswing in, um, in activation by, uh, by POC Mm -hmm. that I think is amazing to watch happen. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm sure that's go. It's certainly happening in LA. I'm sure it's happening in uh, in your neck of the woods too. I would not be surprised if overall, um, this is this is just this is popping off. I would say that in New York, that most Asian Americans, if they were to get involved, be prepared to hear 
positions that you may not agree with that may you, you may be new to you in terms of hmm. how um, radical it may sound to you and how anti-establishment it may sound to you. Um, it is a new form. It is a, it's like a new political identity out there that's highly resisted, like highly dissonant. I think I'll, it's, it is dissonant to I think you know the mainstream ideology of America, and it is anti-capitalist yeah. to its core. And uh, be prepared because to be engaged at the civic level now to me means that kind of thing. And you know, Ron was telling me like there's there's groups, these organizations like in um, even like the you know the Midwest and stuff that are so suspicious of like elected politicians that they invited him to speak and they were kind of regretted it because they're like oh we didn't know you were an elected official and he's saying like you know there are tons of these like citizens groups that are coming up that are just intensely pro-worker and anti-capitalist and they don't even trust the ron kin uh simply because Mm -hmm. he's elected (laughs) right like we're talking about (laughs) you're right i mean i think the the shoots here are incredibly um like it's an evolution. It's like a it's, there, it's a, there's an evolution going on, but we've got to clear away a lot of that brush, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. and I just don't think that we should spend our individual lives being part of that cover, part of that brush, tasked to suppress what needs to come out, and yeah, at least I, get I out of the way, you know. Yeah, I I can't I can't ab- I, I'm a. I've been trained since birth to be that establishment Asian. Yeah. It's really it's really hard to shake even now a feeling that I'm failing something somewhere and it's deep. It is. It is. Uh, um yep. I've largely opted out. We can talk about that in in later in la- in a later episode, mm-hmm. but I mean it's really hard to shake the feeling that I I have failed in a deep way. And you know, according to the rules the striver rules of the 80s and 90s, I have and that's that's a that's an interesting uh that's an interesting realization that I just have to contend with. Yeah. But largely it also feels correct. There is no way I could be ultimately happy. Um I'd have a few more zeros in the bank. I'd have a, a shinier LinkedIn. Um but I don't think it would have brought me any more happiness to have been participating in the system. Yeah. I agree. I, um, so I don't know, as a person, I don't know how to stop war in Iran. I, I don't. Um, but what I have been able to do is take a look at issues being handled right at my local level. Um, there are, there's always something anybody can, can do. I really have no idea how to stop a war, a war from, a war from breaking out, how to deal with, I have no idea. Um. What you're accomplishing by doing that, I think, is just creating social bonds that, or social connections and a social consciousness. It's got to be bottom up. I mean, I I know that sounds cheesy, but I think that's the only way. It's like we need to spread political consciousness, and that can only happen by connecting with other people. So what are you doing practically? Probably not much. I mean, yeah, you can accomplish small victories here and there. But the more important thing, I think, is to develop consciousness um about what's going on and yeah asian we 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 need a lot of that because let's face it i'm gonna be a little cheesy here but it's true when i rail against boba liberalism i roll i i i project it out i say yeah fuck those boba liberals i really mean myself it's the boba liberal within all of us (laughs) 
mm-hmm. right? It's there. It is. It, yeah. You know, it's us. It's it's not them. The black, chewy, carby heart in all of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's the part yeah. that just wants to comply, wants to make everything really easy. We know what to do, even though we hate it. Um, and it's so seductive. The U.S. is immensely wealthy. The good life is good. Yeah. A taste of it is addictive. It really is. Yeah. Though, so I I really understand that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it feels like shit now, though. I mean, not that I have money, but I'm just saying that it was easier to strive before. It was easier to believe. Because mm-hmm. thought, you could lie to yourself the whole time saying, look, in some way I'm contributing to value. In some way I'm making someone's life better. And now yeah. it's pretty clear. I mean, that when that's that illusion shattered, yeah. I could at least uh, just speak, just personally laying it out there. I could at least tell myself, okay, I'm a woman of color. Just by participating and winning in the system is some sort of a win because at least the gains are going to um, me, mm-hmm. someone with my set of identities. Mm-hmm. This has got to be a win, right? Um, which provides a little cover for a little extra immorality or short term. Um, self-aggrandizement. Yeah. Um, but I, it's just that illusion is too. That veil got too thin. I can't. I can't. I can't. There's no meaningful separation mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So. You feel better? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the whole point was to try and squeeze some juice out of this uh, genocide tweet. <laughs> oh God damn. <laughs> Um. Yeah, we're okay. Like, mm-hmm. but I also want to point out, like, I do want to put a statement here. Right here, we are in the first days of 2020, looking back at how you know what what Asian res- Asian American response was like overall back in 2003 or post 2000 post 9/11. It was shamefully lacking, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, shamefully lacking. There wasn't. I mean, fuck, we have we have a guy who basically wrote the legal underpinnings to justify torture in the Middle East. And you can't tell me that that shit didn't lay the groundwork, didn't lay tinder for another spark to happen now, right? You can't tell me these are disconnected events. There was... I, I cannot... I, I don't recall ever running into um, a principled uh, stance against John Yu. From other Asian Americans, not with any teeth, at any rate. No, Maybe I think, I'm wrong. I, I think Maybe we just were was. embarrassed of him. You know, like we were like, "Oh shit, he he's getting heat from uh, from libs." Um, shit, um, I don't know this guy. You know, <laughs> we're like we yeah. don't. You know, like we didn't want to say anything because it's like. Either we didn't care or we were just too embarrassed and we we're just like, yeah. Like maybe mm. they didn't notice. And and I mean maybe me. They didn't notice. I, I, I I mean me. I don't mean like other people. I mean like moi. Mm-hmm. Moi. You know, yo. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. um yeah. so um it's the boba liberal in me. Uh that, that I'm like just just stay really quiet. <laughs> just just keep your head down, keep keep going, yeah. just do your thing. Mm-hmm. It'll be okay in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's 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 and in looking back that was a that was a problem yeah i would like to not repeat that this time around so unequivocally i like no war in iran please yeah <laughs> and other asian americans please don't fucking embarrass me <laughs> yeah we will call that shit out now 
I, I think yeah. that's the other thing. Like, you, you do some dumb shit out there. Like, we Asian Americans are going to call it out. Um, just like Elaine Chow got her ass called out. Like, it, it's it's a different thing now. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Even even there's no nothing to be gained with the silence anymore. There's nothing to gain. Yeah. That nothing to gain that I hold of any value. Yeah. Um, I feel like if people were holding back. I don't, it's not be, I don't think it's a moral lapse. It's not because Asians are venal or just didn't give a shit or or just didn't know, right? I think people knew. The in, the silence is just an intentional it's a trade-off saying our silence buys us something else. Complying with the system and the rules that we see it will provide yield some dividends down the down the line. Um and who knows if those conditions were still in play? Maybe we would. Maybe the two of us wouldn't be sitting here do, saying what we are now. It's just material conditions have changed so much. There's nothing down the line. Oh, I just want to. There's add, nothing to be traded for the silence. I just wanted to add that while we were doing this pod, the first uh, retrib- retribution attack happened. Three Americans were killed in Kenya. It's going. It's down. This shit's going down. Um, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I mean, let's not forget the uh, the Iranians being detained at the Canadian border. Mm. So no, this is this is this cannot this cannot this is not okay. Yeah, this is this is going to be bad. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Well, I think we're done depressing the people. Um, should we call it here? Uh- yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Yeah, deal with it. DM me, I'll buy you a shot. Yeah, yeah. You turn into Escape from Plan A to feel good. No, you don't. You tu- you, t- you tune in, you download it, and you listen, uh, because you know deep down shit sucks. That's why. Oh <laughs> goddamn! Stay safe. You listen. Anyway, stay safe. Right. Keep um, thinking. So we'll be back, I guess, Wednesday with a bonus pod, and bye <laughs> next Sunday with uh, another free episode. So yeah, stay safe. Out there. Oh, 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 oh,